Welcome to the Kick-Ass Podcast, Season 2, Episode Number 7. I'm your host, Heather McDonald, and today we are talking about SEO for everyone. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Podcast, where you'll find the tools to level up your business, your mindset, and your life. Please pass me a seatbelt. One of the first questions I get asked when we talk about SEO is, what is it? What does that even mean? And it means search engine optimization. It doesn't mean we get to optimize Google. It means we optimize our stuff so it shows up on Google. And we optimize all of the customer experience stuff so that we show up, we rank on Google. The next question is, okay, well, how does that save me money? And it saves you money by allowing more people to find your site organically, which means they type into Google or they type somewhere, they see it somewhere other than anything you've had to pay money for. So other than any form of advertising or like the pay-per-click style or Google ads, anything like that, those types of things cost you money. Or putting your website out there on a radio ad or a billboard or, you know, a car wrap, anything like that, you had to pay for that part, right? So you basically are paying for your marketing until you make a profit on it. Going into SEO, you pay a lot less. You have to put a little bit more thought into it, maybe a little bit more work into it, and you have to keep it up all the time. But that tends to have a much higher ROI than just straight purchasing every single client you can get. (laughs) The other thing that SEO does is it brings you the people who are actually looking for your stuff. So it can go hand in hand with advertising. We recommend it does go hand in hand with advertising. But you're not looking to hit a range of people. You're looking to answer questions that are being asked. So in today's podcast, we're going to kind of go through a bunch of little tips and tricks you can do. This is not designed for coders. This is not designed for marketers. This is designed for business owners. Um, It could be for marketers who don't know the sweet thing about SEO and they want to start selling that as a product. This is a good jumping off point. But this isn't the be all and end all. This is the stuff, the basics that you can do yourself. So one of the biggest things that I see in people who are trying to market, they try to either reinvent the wheel or be really, really original. As an example, instead of saying, I am a legal expert in this field, let's say a lawyer's brand is they're like the young, hip, cool, I don't know if we're supposed to say hip anymore, I'm old now. Uh, They're the young lawyer who knows all about this fancy marketing stuff. So they may say, I'm a legal ninja. Well, when Google goes through and reads their sites and reads their keywords, legal ninja doesn't make sense. So they don't know who to feed that website to. There are very few people who are Googling right now, legal ninjas. I would like a legal ninja. So you can have that as a brand marker, but you can't use that in your SEO. It just doesn't work. SEO tends to be almost boring in some senses, because really when we talk to Google, 
we are using, we're tell usually we start with how do I, or what are the best, or we kind of talk to Google, like it's our friend, like it's our personal assistant. So we don't generally type in keywords. We type in what's called either long tail or question words. Google then takes that and feed goes through all of their stuff and they start geographically. So you will get the people closest to you physically and then it goes kind of out from there. So whoever's close to you geographically, that's why geography terms are important in SEO. And that's why sometimes when people have different SEO things, they're like, why are people from Malaysia suddenly seeing me? I'm a brick and mortar shop in Texas. I don't want Malaysia people seeing me. And often we can fix some SEO. And then what they're getting is more of their people and fewer of the people outside. So geography matters. And so does simple language. So identify a few key words, one of them being where you offer services. So your service area, it does not have to be where your head office is, but it does have to be where you want your clients to be coming from. So if you're really trying to break into a new market and you offer online services, especially you're able to, or it, let's say you're a retailer looking for new wholesalers you're able to change your SEO so that it will reflect that new market. So you'll start showing up in that new market, but it can't be everywhere because again, Google does it by importance. So if you're trying to hit Calgary, Alberta, but you're also trying to hit 35 other places, well, none of those are going to have a very strong SEO footprint on your website. So it's not going to feed them to all of them unless there are no competitors in that area. That makes sense. So you identify a few keywords. So ge geography is obviously going to be one of them. Limiting geography, especially if you're a brick and mortar. What are the main pain points that you solve? So often when people put their SEO keywords, they'll put, you know, I am a this, I, this is my job. This is what I do. But if you think about like an actuary, do we really know what they do? No, but they solve pain points. So you can put in something like even for taxes, you can say, how do I save the most on my taxes? Versus saying, I want to find a tax person or something like that. We're going to say, how do we save the most on my taxes? You want your site to pop up on the map if you're brick and mortar and on the first page organic if you are online and brick and mortar. Determining the pain point, determining the problem you solve is the most important step to SEO that almost everybody skips because they're thinking, well, people will just find me. Well, we don't because we don't necessarily know who we're looking for. We just know what problem we're looking to solve. That's where long-term long SEO comes in. If you pick those keywords and, for example, I have a client who, who focuses on bankruptcy and things like that, most of the people who find them they don't think they're going to go bankrupt. That's not the thing. They're looking for credit counseling or they're looking for debt relief or they're looking to refinance. What they eventually need probably is to declare bankruptcy, but they don't know that yet. So putting that word and putting all of your money into that word isn't going to get you the results because it's not what your customers are actually asking for. 
They're looking for, in this case, financial help because to them, it's not quite that bad. If you're talking to a dentist and you say, you know, you have this, if you're a cosmetic dentist and you have this beautiful new machine, that's not the thing to market to because really you're only at that point marketing to other dentists who have or want that machine or you're marketing to other people who are in the marketplace for that machine. So you could say you'll be marketing bright, white, smile, easy, bright, white, smile, cheap, because honestly, when we're at home, we're not looking to spend a lot of money or bright, white, smile, professional dentist or professional, safe dental air, all kinds. It does depend on your brand. So if you're dealing only with adults, only with kids, only with cosmetic, we might put in cosmetic dentistry. So that should be one of your words. It doesn't have to be completely limited. You just can't do more than like 10 to 15 words. You can't do it well. At some point, it becomes scattershot. And if it does, Google's like, I don't know what the hell your site is about. So I'm going to feed it to people when I don't have other things to feed them. But you can't be the expert in every single thing and pile every single keyword in because they're weighted. So if you have 12 words, then you will have a strong 12-word presence. If you have 100 words, that same presence is split over 100 words. So each word matters less. Cutting the words down and going only with the pain points or only with your solution points, whiter teeth for less money than you think, is probably a good one because Google does know to mix and match people who are looking for budgeting things with people who are looking for whiter teeth, as long as they know where you live. So people from Toronto, Ontario, Canada will find people who are looking for white teeth for cheap, white teeth for this, white teeth, and they'll show be shown up with white teeth, white teeth for less than you think. That's a longer keyword. It's almost like half a sentence. Those are okay now. <laughs> the next thing, once you've identified your keywords, you have to figure out where the heck are you going to put them. They need to show up on your front page somewhere. They need to show up on your highest hit pages somewhere. They do not need to be all on your front page and then nowhere else. They don't need to be all on your contact page and nowhere else. They need to be kind of scattered throughout nicely. Avoid the keyword stuffing thing where you're trying to say, you know, chiropractors in Toronto, if you need a chiropractor and you live in Toronto, we are chiropractors with an office in Toronto. And in Toronto, for those people who live in Toronto who want a chiropractor, that doesn't work. Google actually sees you and hurts you for it. That's no longer allowed because it gives a bad customer experience. So you're going to scatter them throughout in your actual on-page content. You're going to work them in. You can work them in as headlines, the biggest text on your page, that's a really good place to put some of those keywords. You can phrase them as a question, you can phrase them as an answer. But as Google's reading and it's like, oh, that's the biggest text on the page, these are the words in that text. Therefore, these are their most important words. So if your most important word is welcome, we're glad to see you, that's not great SEO. You've now wasted that headline. It could, that can be the first sentence of your body text, but it could be, are you looking to whiten your teeth for less than you expect? There you go. That's a great SEO headline. And then the content underneath can hit all of the other words. The next thing that you can do 
if you have access to the back end of your site and if it's an easy site to use, you can optimize all of your images. Your images have lots of little tags on the side. So the title, um, if you have the option to put a caption, your description of it, and then there's a thing called alt text. Alternative text is what Google will read out to people who are not able to view your site due to accessibility issues. Somebody who is blind or partially blind is not able to see. Somebody who is colorblind that your text or your picture, they're not able to see it fully, will often have Google read the site to them or have another program read the site to them. What they'll be reading is that alt text. That is a very small part of most people's entire um, audience. So while they do have to make sense for those people, it can't just be random words that you're sticking in. You, they'll know that this is an image. So this is where you can hide a lot of words that you know are being searched, but really don't fit into the overall you know, brand or market package. So you can put words in there that you don't know where else to fit or that don't belong in other things. And you can just put them in as a sentence. So if you want to be known as an award-winning home builder, but you don't want to put award-winning home builder everywhere, you can make sure that that's one of your big, you know, award-winning kitchen by award-winning home builder or something. I mean, that's still keyword stuffing, but Award-winning kitchen by master home builder is a great keyword. Affordable luxury in skincare, things like that that you have a hard time fitting in other places. It depends on what your product is, always, but it can be part of a strategy. And then the cool thing about this stuff is if it doesn't quite work and you don't get a huge boost in your Google rankings, your traffic, and your hits, you take those words out and you put new words in and it didn't cost you any money. So go through your alt text, every picture on your site, every video, if you've actually embedded it as media and not as a YouTube link, all of them are a chance to add SEO keyword tags to descriptions and to your alt text. You can change the title of the file, but it has the least SEO value. So it's not the one I would go to first, but if you're really looking to take advantage, don't have images that are called DSC00372967.jpg. Put the keywords in the actual title of the picture, match those in the description, match those in the alt text. And then as you're doing it, you can cycle through different ones. Make sure they do make some sense because there will be somebody who's going to be listening to it. But at the same time, your big focus is hitting those words on every page. The last place you can put keywords is in your blog. It's also the easiest place to put keywords. Write a blog on each of your 15 keywords. Write blogs that take into account each of your 15 keywords. Write blogs that are going to be answering those longer term questions, those come up really, really well. If you write that blog, you market it out, you have people coming from different traffic coming to you, and you're actually using those blogs in your Facebook ads or your advertising on LinkedIn, you'll have a lot more traffic, which is going to increase the ranking of those blog posts, which will also increase the SEO ranking overall of your website. 
Google goes through every couple of weeks and reads your site to see if there's new stuff on it. If not, it's considered to be old information, which is fine until your old information over and over and over and over and over again. And then your site is kind of looked at as, well, this is not, this is a dead site. This is not new, relevant, timely information. This is old, outdated, not looked at information. That's a problem for Google. So that'll actually hurt your rankings. So just by adding a blog post and they don't have to be long and they can be fairly stuffed with keywords. That's a really easy way to add to your on-page SEO. A few other things that you can do outside of writing content and putting your keywords physically on your site, make your site easy to use. Follow what Google wants for user experience because search engine optimization is about making Google like you. It's not necessarily about matching keyword to website, keyword to website, because if the website is a really crappy experience, people don't want to go back to it. And they tell Google that with their behavior. And then if that happens, Google will drop you in your rankings really, really quickly because Google's selling point is user experience. Google's selling point is you come to us and you get exactly what you wanted. We serve up what you want and we serve up the best of what you want. They don't want to send you to a crappy website. So your website has to be very easy to use. It needs to be mobile responsive, not just mobile friendly, as in like it's smaller than it is on a desktop, but it's the same thing and you can see only half the words. Mobile responsive is designed with the mobile user in mind, which means there will be some images that won't be there. There might be some videos that aren't there. There might be some text that's completely removed or moved to a different place because we're dealing with the mobile user. We are not worrying about how it looks in comparison to desktop because desktop users use websites differently. And the, the other thing it has to be is fast. If your site takes six seconds to load, Google won't be sending a lot of people to it because that just ticks off a lot of people. The way you can tell how Google is going to think of your site is to go onto your analytics. If your bounce rate is really high, your ranking is going to be lower compared to the other people around you. People are like, yeah, but this guy is always number one. Well, he may have domain age, which is how long he's, you've been on the internet, which means total number of users. You may never catch him. You may never get that high. But you can compete by having popular, relevant, and geographically useful information on your site. That's how you can compete against domain age. And as you go along, those domains that haven't been updated, that are not mobile responsive, all of those things will definitely start to slip just by attrition. So one thing you can do is make sure your site is easy to use. How do you know if your site has been easy to use and people like your website? You look at your new users versus returning users. This is something we're going to be discussing in the Google Analytics Primer in like four more episodes. But new versus returning, the really important thing about that one statistic, for the most part, most of us need to have lots of people coming into our business, finding out about our business, and lots of people returning to our business. We want as much return business as we have new, so then we're not constantly trying to drag new people in. 
The way we can tell if our website is doing that is if our new versus returning is at 50%. 50% new, 50% returning. Or at least a high rate of returning. Your website design and usage is based on number of returning people. If people hate your site, they're not going to go back. They're going to leave and be like, no, this is not what I wanted. In that case, your bounce rate will be high, which you can fix. You can diagnose and fix. And your returning users will be low. The reason new versus returning is important is we also need to know that our marketing of the website is working. So the marketing of the website brings new people in. The functionality of the website is what has them return. This is obviously industry specific because some industries are, their return is every five years. Think real estate. There's not a lot of people who go on real estate websites day after day, month after month, year after year, looking to buy new houses. It's a longer term purchase. However, the overall result still matters. <laughs> the last thing you can do to make your site easy to use, you just go through as a user yourself, take some notes, send them to your designer or fix them yourself, depending on where you are in your design world. The last thing you can do, share your website everywhere. Make sure it is shareable. Invite pingbacks, invite links, invite, tell people, yes, you can post that blog post on yours. Just make sure I have a link. You have an attribution at the bottom. Having people come from different areas of the internet, different ways that they found you, whether they were direct traffic, social media traffic, referral traffic, having more of those. And then within social media, having People show up at your site from Facebook. People show up at your site from LinkedIn. People show up at your site from Twitter. All of those things combine together and Facebook goes, oh, this is popular. This must be relevant information. I'm going to send it out to more people. So then they start expanding the number of people they send your website to. If you're not dragging people onto your site from everywhere you can, dragging, not dragon. <laughs> if you're not pulling people onto your site all the time, Google thinks that you're less popular and less relevant. Therefore, you're less useful. And they're not going to send you every, they're not going to send your site to everyone who searches your keywords. They're going to go with the one that's the most popular. Again, comparatively. So if you happen to be the, the one shop in town, you're probably doing okay. If you have competition or you have competition overall in your brand, even though you're the only one that makes this one thing, that one thing is a choice or is an add-on you're going to need to drive more people to your site so that more people make purchases and get to know your brand. Sharing it out to as many people who are going to be delighted by that information as possible is a way to grow your popularity base, which automatically, it's kind of like in high school, the more popular you are, the easier it is to be popular, the more people are going to like you because you got popular. Google is basically that queen bee who's like, these are the popular people and these are not. We want to make Google happy. We make Google happy by updating our sites regularly with a blog. It doesn't mean rewriting your front page. We make Google happy by being mobile responsive. We make Google happy by having really good user experience, three clicks to get where you're trying to go. And we make Google happy by, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> we make Google happy by having a fast website. That's the last one, which is really funny that it took me a couple of seconds to think of being fast. Irony. Irony. I love you. 
So those are the things you can do right now if you're looking to increase your Google rankings. They're what I want you to do before you go into advertising. Because if you are advertising your website and it doesn't have those things, you are throwing money at bad user experience and it's a waste. Because Google's not giving you any free help and those people are not going to be delighted when they get there. So go through this first and go through advertising second. Up next, we are going to explain why everyone can't be your customer. If you like what you heard, please let us know. We live on validation. Hit subscribe, leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch, get a website audit done or help have us look at your SEO, you can find us at hala.agency. That's H-A-L-A dot agency. And online everywhere as Hala Connected. Until next time, kick ass and live on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Now put down your phone and start kicking ass. Thank <laughs> you.